Hey guys, thanks very much for listening into the Game Changers experience. Today, I wanted to just highlight the fact that we are launching a brand new initiative for you guys. If you'd like to showcase your business and you'd like to get more impact in the world, you'd like to reach a different audience, we are our podcast is in the top 2.5% in the global rankings. We have listeners from all over the world, from about 35 to 40 countries worldwide. It's absolutely epic. If you're interested in learning about how you can advertise and sponsor our show, please do me a favor and drop me an email. It's hello at adamstrong.net. It's hello at adamstrong.net. And the subject heading is sponsorship. And me and my team will be happy to uh, drop you a message with the details. Take care and enjoy. Enjoy this episode. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today, we have another great guest. Surprise, surprise. We have a great guest because this individual actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. And uh, believe it or not, we have a lot of mutual friends in the executive coaching and leadership realm. And when we first uh, had our conversation, honestly, the one thing that really attracted me about Rusty today is his energy, right? I'm a real big believer on great energy, right? Rusty's background is uh, that he used to be a former worldwide director of Apple, Apple, yes. Uh, He had a traditional career at GE under Jack Welsh. And now he works as an executive coach, more specifically for tech leaders who want more success without sacrifice. We'll talk about that during the interview. And now he's a speaker. He's also the author of the best-selling book, uh, Breaking the Code. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about decision-making. Interesting subject, ladies and gentlemen, because you know, I have a lot of great conversations with people, you know, asking me, oh, should I do this? Should I do this? And what we're going to be talking about is decision making. We're going to be talking about how different leadership styles affect our decision making. We're going to be talking about personalities in terms of uh, leadership. We're also going to be talking about some of the exercises that Rusty is going to be uh, giving you guys of how you can improve your decision making processes. So without further ado, Mr. Rusty Gallard, how are you doing? Thanks, Adam. Hey, thanks for the warm introduction, and it's great to be here with you today. You're very, very welcome. Um, anyway, listen, it's a really interesting uh, background that you've got, and uh, and, and, and I, I want to kind of get some, I want, to, I want the audience to get a little bit of a, um, I suppose, a background, because you worked for Apple for 13 years, right? I did, yep. Absolutely. And and I know that during the time that you are now as an executive coach and running your own business and, 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 and coaching tech leaders, there were, there's a bit of a backstory behind this. And I mentioned in your bio, you teach people uh, how they can have more success without sacrifice. Tell us a little bit more about that and what you've discovered in your journey so far. Yeah. So during my, I, I did work at Apple for 13 years. I started in 2005 before the iPhone was launched and I was there during the iPhone and, and all the subsequent products. It was an amazing time to be at Apple. And it was, 
high growth, fast paced uh, and intense. And Apple has a reputation for that. It's an intense kind of place to work. The One of the challenges I came up against regularly in that job was how do I continue to do a good job at work without giving up everything else that matters to me. Uh, you know, at this point, my son was born in 2007. And so, you know, basically the same year the iPhone launched, my son was born. Wow. And I wanted it to be in his life. I, that was important to me. It's, it's always been something that's important to me. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice that. But I did really was up against this challenge at this point. I was like, I don't know how to do both of these things because my mode had always been pour everything into what I'm doing. Give, give it my all, work really hard, be fully dedicated to it. And I didn't know how to do that in two places, both at work and at home. The, one of the, the things that I did in, the, in this cur- the course of my career journey, I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision because I didn't know how to do two things at once, as I just described. And it felt to me I had to decide. So I made a choice to actually take a lower level job. I was hiring for a role on my team and I hired myself for that role and had my boss backfill me. So in taking this lower level job, I created more time and I made the decision to choose family over work. And it stressed me out. It was a very, very hard decision to make. Um, And it went against so much of what I had put my life into, as I described, pouring everything into work. And yet I had to do it because it was the right thing for me personally and in the big picture of life. So that was really the origin of this whole question of how can you have success without sacrifice? Love that. Love that. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess you must have, uh, I don't know how you, how did you feel about kind of the motive, uh, not the motive, yeah, d- d- kind of like, yeah, got, yeah it is was. to me motivated down, down the corporate ladder rather than going up the corporate ladder. I mean, how did you feel at that point in time, just out of curiosity? Oh, it was, I've, um, well, personally, I felt really good about the, t- the time with my son and the ability right. to do things that I enjoyed. But professionally, it was very hard. Um, I felt, honestly, I felt a little embarrassed about my where I was and what I was doing because for so much of my life, it was not just about the work I was doing in that moment, but it was also about where I was going. Mm-hmm. And the work I was doing was fine, but the where I was going was kind of nowhere, uh, you know, because I had taken myself off of the ladder, as you just described. Yeah. So uh, I didn't like to talk to people about work. I kind of avoided it as a subject because so much of my identity had been tied up in my success and where I'm going. And to now all of a sudden I had this big disconnect. And so I just, I kind of avoided it. Wow. That's interesting. And, and, and when you say you avoided it, you mean you didn't have conversations with friends and family and colleagues. You just were kind of like your way of dealing with it was to hide under a rock. Is that right? <laughs> in, a, in a nice way oh, you make that sound, <laughs> you don't make that sound very good do you Adam? <laughs> I hide away. uh you know i guess you know when you look back at it yeah hiding under a rock putting my head in the sand just kind of saying i'm gonna i'm gonna swallow what it is at work because it's important enough for me to be with my family yeah. but there was a part of me that just didn't buy into that and that's you know for me that was the kernel of this idea of success without sacrifice that you yeah. should be able to have success without having to give something up and yeah. but the the origin of that though has to go back to what is success? 
And that's where I, you know, that's where this path led me. What is true success? Because up until that point in my life, success was very much measured externally based on position, salary, importance, you know, all those kinds of externally measured or visible things. I had never really questioned what does success mean to me? It's an interesting question because like, I know that some of our listeners, some of them most run their own business or entrepreneurs, some of the leaders, for example, which we've discussed. And you've just brought up a really interesting point. You know, success means so many different things to so many different people. And in some people's cases, success is climbing the corporate ladder, right? And working themselves up to the top, right? That's success. Um, but I guess the way that you sort success is, hey, guess what? I want more freedom to be able to do the things that I want on my terms so I can spend more time with my family. That's your version of success, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I am way more successful now in my life than I was at that point when I was working at Apple. You know, I, I you know, arguably I was work, obviously working for the greatest company in the world, had an incredibly big position, important position, influential within the company, right? Like highly compensated. There, there were a lot of really great things about that job. But where I am in my life now, I'm happier. I have more freedom. I'm more relaxed. I spend more time with my family. I'm having a bigger impact on the people that I do work with. So like, there are so many ways in which my life is better, but it was, um, it's, it's just a totally different paradigm yeah, because, and it really had to, I had to switch gears in order to switch from that old corporate paradigm about climbing the ladder, which by the way, applies to entrepreneurs too, right? Well, I need to grow 20%, 30%, 50%. I need to double this year. Well, why? You know, um, what is that getting you? And would you rather be investing your time and energy in something else? Maybe the answer is no. Maybe the right answer is growth of your business. Great. But define it and be clear for yourself about what success is. You know, that's a really interesting point, ladies and gents. So if you haven't really clocked onto what Rusty's talking about here, because success is very subjective, right? And the, the fact of the matter is, is my version of success is different to Rusty's and, and Rusty's is different to you guys that are listening in. And an interesting exercise that you could do right now, if you, if, you, if you want to just pause this, if you're listening to this, you're thinking this could be a really interesting conversation is to write down what success means to you, because it can mean different things, to different people. And, uh, and, and by the way, I wanted to kind of like tell you for full disclosure, by the way, I wasn't meant to make Rusty feel uncomfortable. It was just because I just wanted to put him on the spot there. Anyway. <laughs> Well, hey, so one of the things that I have learned in this journey is it's in those moments of discomfort that there's learning opportunities. Absolutely. So, uh, good, good. Keep like bringing that. them on, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, so here's an interesting part because today is all about decision making, right? And so one of the things that came into my mind uh, before we got on the call was what are some of the, I'm going to call them excuses. What are some of the common excuses that leaders make, all right? after they have made a bad decision any examples there common excuses well you know more often it's what i hear is the excuses before the decision is made okay uh, and, and it's delaying delaying making a decision uh you know actually so you know we mentioned you mentioned general electric in my in my introduction and one of the things i remember from my ge days is uh, I was fortunate enough to hear a number of the big GE leaders speak. And one of the questions was, you know, if you had to do it all again, what would you do? People often ask them that question. <laughs> and their answer almost inevitably was move faster. 
that I knew what the right decision to make was, but I didn't move fast enough. And that is what I see in leaders. It's not so much an excuse after the fact about a bad decision, but it's a, it's a delay of making a decision because making a decision oftentimes requires courage. Uh, it requires stepping out and doing something that is a little bit uncomfortable. It might rock the boat. Some, somebody else may not like it. You may impact someone else with your decision, but it's a willingness to make that decision and keep moving forward towards what, again, your definition of success, what's important to you. So interesting point that you're making here, right? And listen, I completely in agreement with what you're saying. So here is another interesting point here, okay? So this, uh, I was going to say, when it comes to decision-making, so General Electric guys said, hey, so I wish I'd been faster, but then I've been, I've been kind of, I don't know about you, but I also believe in the, the power of patience. So, you know, mm. dealing with... Um, you know, the execution of speed can have its advantages and disadvantages, but also the execution of patience, right? Whether it be because it's timing involved, there's advantages and disadvantages. Maybe let's have a discussion around those two connotations and when can, when, when, when should, ex, when, when, when should, should someone execute speed versus patience? Yeah, I think it's great, great question. And, and I'm actually going to bring the point of decision can apply in both scenarios. Mm -hmm. You can decide to do something or you can decide not to do something. But mm -hmm. the key is to make a decision because too many people sit in a place of indecision mm -hmm. and there's debating and spending energy and thinking about it and questioning and self-doubt and should I do this, should I not do it? And they can get very wrapped up in that process as opposed to making a decision saying, I'm going to take action, I'm going to do this or to make a decision say, I'm not going to take action or a third possibility is to make a decision and say, I'm not going to do anything for the next week or month and give this time to sort out, but I'm also not going to spend any energy on it in the meantime until right. that week or month has elapsed. And then I'll revisit it and make another decision. Yeah, that's a good, it's, it's a good point, actually. Love that. That's, it's, 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 it's a really good point because, you know, one of the things that, um, uh, and, and we use this a lot in the whole kind of business world, which is analysis uh, you know, analysis by paralysis, paralysis by analysis type of thing and vice versa, right? You would have heard that before. And I'm sure that you would have heard that in the Apple days and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I find, I don't know about you guys, I don't know about you, Rusty, but do you find a lot of leaders still get bogged down by the kind of, whole kind of analysis by paralysis, you know, sort of uh, realm, if you like? And how do people kind of overcome that? I do. And I think that there's the analysis paralysis really stems back to not wanting to make the wrong decision. Mm. Uh, you know, so fundamentally, it's why are you still thinking about it? Why are you still analyzing it? Because you don't want to get it wrong, right? Most of us, some of the decisions we make feel important to us. And um, one of the things I learned from my dad, who was a successful businessman, he, he had a little saying, he said, I may not always be right but I'm always certain. And, you know, his certainty, frankly, intimidated me as a kid, but he <laughs> lived that. He said, I don't have to be right all the time, but I'm certain enough to say, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to move forward. Really operating from this understanding that you will learn whether or not it's a good decision as you implement it as you move forward, as you make progress. And then you can adjust always, you can always adjust. And that's where really this analysis paralysis comes in. 
Uh, I just, and I see it in myself too, when I'm thinking about make a decision and I'm pondering it and I'm finally at some point I recognize, oh my gosh, I'm spending so much energy on this thing. I would be so much better served to just make a decision and go, and then I can adjust. And inevitably, once I make the decision, there's this huge release of energy and I am more effective, I'm happier, I'm more productive, and I'm not thinking about all these things. Interesting. So it's this willingness to be wrong and willingness to adjust counts for a lot to get through that analysis paralysis. Now, here, I want to go back to the whole kind of, um, I was going to say, when it comes to decision-making, now we all know, we, we, none of us are mind readers, right? But, you know, decision-making, it's easier said than done, right? You know, kind of speed versus patience, which is kind of like the, the kind of crooks behind, you know, decision-making. But what about the mindset side of stuff, you know, in terms of the psychology that goes on, I mean, what sort of things do you feel like a lot of leaders go through in terms of the psychology side of stuff in terms of decision making? Is it that there's certain hormones or uh, chemical reactions which is happening that inhibits people from making a conscious decision? What's your thoughts on this? Uh, uh, so I think a lot of it comes back to this desire to get it right, this expectation or belief that you have to be the best or the smartest or the, you know, the most thoughtful, the most accurate. Uh, it, it's, it's these kinds of thoughts, which really are, is it's more than a thought. It becomes a belief and it becomes a reflection of who you are. Uh, so you mentioned that my book in the beginning. Uh, so I talk about in breaking the code, this is what I talk about as the code. It's your programming. It's almost like your internal operating system that says, who are you? Who are you, Adam? How do you operate in the world? well, I'm really smart person and I'm driven and I typically think faster than other people and I often have the right answers and you know, don't want to put too many words in your mouth here. But if you have that impression of yourself, you're, of course, you're going to want to live up to it. So when you're facing an important decision, you don't want to get it wrong. So it's not even a conscious thought process. It's something that's running in your subconscious because it's, it's about being consistent with your identity and who you are. So breaking the code, the whole premise of the book is, what happens if you break through those patterns and you start to employ new ways of thinking, new ways of decision-making that are more uh, productive, that are faster, that allow you to, to think more expansively and, and less from a risk management standpoint, like what if I make this decision and it goes badly and more from an opportunity pursuit standpoint of, hey, where are all the ways that this could serve me well by taking this decision and moving forward? What doors would it open? What opportunities might arise? by moving forward. So changing the orientation from a risk orientation to an opportunity orientation. Yeah. And I suppose in a way it is, that is a mindset in itself, isn't it? You know, you know what I mean? Going from that Absolutely. kind of, you know, that, that's kind of my thought about it. So you mentioned about the whole kind of, I love, I love the fact that you used the, the example of like, you know, your brain is like a computer and you're trying to look at the programming because we're all wired slightly differently. Right. Okay. Um, now, when it comes to decision-making, if we want to improve, if some of the guys that are listening in, if they want to improve their decision-making yeah. process, what are some of the things that maybe you've written in your book or work with clients in terms of, you know, either reprogramming uh, your computer, which is up here, in order to make better decisions? Any thoughts there? Yeah, um, so I'll give you just a simple framework that I use, uh, which is four S's. Uh, to make a, a super decision. Sounds good. So the, the first one is space. 
to get some space away from what it is that is requiring the decision. Uh, so this means step outside for a moment or go for a walk or go do something different. Uh, we all, you know, everybody stereotypically gets their best ideas taking a shower in the morning or when they're doing dishes or, you know, when your mind is not engaged with the thing that you're trying to decide on. So right. the first right. S is space to get some distance from it. The second S is simplicity. To, too many of us make decisions way too complicated because we're thinking about all the different factors and all the people involved and what's this person going to think and what if this goes wrong and uh, and, it's, and it's all that the complexity certainly matters in high stakes decisions but so many of the decisions we make we think are much higher stakes than they are in reality mm -hmm. so if you can simplify it down and you can just get to the core essence of what do i believe is the right step to take here and cut out all of the noise and really go more with your intuition and listen to yourself and your own internal guidance, that can be a really powerful way to make better decisions. Okay, cool. The third S is uh, what we were talking about earlier, to take more of a success orientation rather than a risk management orientation. So rather than thinking about all the things that can go wrong, shift your focus, shift it, think instead about all the ways this could be a really powerful decision that moves you forward. And then the fourth S is very simple. It's to have the strength to implement it, right? If you give yourself the space, make it simple enough so you can come up with a simple decision for yourself, assume success and look for all the ways it can be, help you achieve success and then have the strength to actually say, yes, I'm going to go do it. Love it. Very cool. Love that. The four S's, space, simplicity, success oriented mindset and strength. Love it. Very good. Yes. Excellent. Fantastic. Thanks for that. Really appreciate that. Um, interestingly enough, and one of the things, because um, I mean, you do a lot of stuff with with a lot of business leaders and executive coaching. How do, and, and we haven't really talked about this, but how do different leadership styles, whether it be an authoritative leadership style, whether it be kind of more of a laid back leadership style, um, how do those different styles affect decision making um, as it stands? Any Any thoughts there? I think it's a really interesting question. I, we chatted about this before, Adam, and I've, I've been thinking about, you know, there's so many different leadership assessment models, Myers-Briggs or, um, you know, DISC or other systems like that. Yep. But they don't really get into how is a decision made. And, uh, you know, it's much more about how you interact with people uh, or your tendency and kind of, you know, how you process information. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me, I think one of the key factors I want to come back to is in decision-making is what is, the, again, back to this definition of success, and is that more externally oriented or internally oriented? Now, even if you own a business or if you're an executive in a business, the external oriented mindset is more, what are other people gonna think of this? Is this gonna help me climb the ladder? Is this gonna you know, uh, achieve the kind of business result that I want to achieve because it's important for me and my self-image? Mm -hmm as opposed to the internal orientation of success, which is, what is the impact I want to have? Why am I doing this? What is our purpose as a business? Or what is my purpose as an individual? And making decisions that are more aligned with values, with your principles, with who you are, those are going to be way more effective kind of decisions than the external orientation of how are, how are people going to see me? So for me, it's a little bit less about personality style, and it's more about what is your motivating factor? What is, where's your orientation? What are you trying to accomplish? And if you can 
if for leaders who have more of a strong sense of themselves and their purpose and their values and why it is that they're doing what they're doing, from what I see, those people make way better decisions and are way more effective as leaders than people who are trying to manage other people's expectations. Love that. Love that. Very cool. Very cool. And also, you know, one of the things that um, I think I spoke about actually on Clubhouse last week, which was, um, um, it was, uh, oh, something to my tongue. I'll come back to it in a second. I just hate those moments okay. when you're, it's on the tip of your tongue. And, no, I know. and it just goes, right? <laughs> it's just embarrassing. Anyway, it's all good. <laughs> It's kind of like, don't Homer Simpson moment. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to ask you actually, um, when it comes to, I know that there are people out there in the world, whether it be an entrepreneur, leader, whatever it is, they are perfectionists. And they, mm-hmm. and, and those are probably one of the, uh, it doesn't matter if they're introverts or extroverts or whatever it is, but they're, they're a perfectionist. Do you find that um, when it comes to, if you are deemed as a perfectionist, that someone that is just never going to get shit done, whatever, regardless of the situation, do you have any advice for, for those perfectionists personalities uh, on decision making well when you talk about perfectionism what comes to mind to me is uh, Brene brown because she says you know, fundamentally perfectionism is a protection against vulnerability Interesting. because it requires some vulnerability to perhaps get it wrong or to even to risk getting it wrong uh, and so i you know i think about that and i think about it you know, for many parts of my life this was me this is how i lived i wanted everybody to see me as having it all together and you know oh rusty's got this big great shiny life and <laughs> makes does everything right uh so it, it does require some uh some inner strength to be willing to make a mistake uh, and to be willing to correct course so i'm going to go back to, to my dad's phrase of always right uh, sorry I, I may not always be right but i'm always certain and it's in that phrase of you know being right isn't the value here True. but being confident enough to move forward and adjust course as needed, that's where the real value is. And so for perfectionists, I think to really just start to think about, hey, what's more important to you here? Is it making progress and achieving the things that are aligned with your values and your purpose? Or is it looking good because you don't ever get the answer wrong? Mm, I like that. That's a, that's a great connotation. Um, interestingly enough, and you'll probably get this a lot, right? especially with leaders and, and especially with entrepreneurs and business leaders that run their own business. In, when, it comes, when it comes to decision-making um, and the, the whole kind of connotation of letting go, you know, they're scared of like, you know, scared of empowering someone else to do whatever it is that they need to get done and that kind of fuff. I'd love to explore more about how their, their inability to let go for whatever reason it might be, and, and then it kind of has a, a knock-on knock on effect to how good or bad decisions are made in the business. Any thoughts there? Well, letting go is just, I think it's a challenge for uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs across the board, right. because as you're establishing yourself, whether as an individual in a big corporation or an entrepreneur, hmm the quality of your work is you, right? It's like, it's a reflection of you and the value that you add. So to let go and empower someone else to do that work, which at some point certainly will not meet your standard, then it's a huge challenge. And the question now becomes, 
what do you do? How do you handle that situation? And if you go back in and you say, I'm just going to get back in there and do the work myself. Well, that's a decision, first of all. Uh, and it's going to be a really limiting one because that limits how much your business can grow. So fundamentally, I'm going to say, you know, that, and you see this across many organizations actually comes from John Maxwell, which is that it's the ability of the leader to grow. It's their investing in themselves and their own personal growth is what enables the business as an organization to grow. Yeah. So, you know, with someone in that kind of position, an entrepreneur who's saying, well, how do I let go? How, How do I step back? Those are the kinds of decisions that are really interesting because you know, you have to do it. But now you need to build a management structure in order to allow you to do that effectively and still deliver the kind of quality of work that you expect. So it really gets into this middle ground between leadership, which is more the interpersonal kind of ability to set expectations and a vision, and management, which is, is the work getting done and is it getting done at the right quality and do I have the right resources to deliver it? So it's the intersection of those two that I think become really important in this area of letting go. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm sure that you've had a lot of your clients that have come to you and it's probably a common question that gets asked because the opposite to leadership is micromanagement, isn't it? It's just quicker and easier to do everything yourself. But we all know that that's never going to help anyone grow in the world of leadership or running your own business, is it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and micromanagement is really another version of perfectionism. And all stems back to the same thing. Gosh, what happens if I if it's not all perfect? How is that going to reflect on me? And it's that whole, that orientation that becomes a limitation on your growth. Yeah, love that. Very cool. Now, when you um, when you take on clients or when clients come to you, um, you know whether it be a leader in, in a corporate company or whatever it might be, what are some of the challenges that they are faced, and what are they trying to work out? Why have they come to you? in terms of like this, what, what is it that they're seeking in terms of from a decision-making perspective? Are there any regular patterns, you know, going from one leader to another? I just would love, love to know what your thoughts are. I tend to see people in two primary categories. Uh, they come to me with two challenges. One is more around the success without sacrifice theme saying, hey, I'm successful in my work from a financial standpoint or from a revenue standpoint, if you're an entrepreneur, but it's eating me up. It's taking all of my time. I don't see my family. I'm working at nights. You know, it's creating tension in my relationships. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be one category of people. Right. I also have another category of people who come to me and say, "This, uh, like, I'm, I'm really happy in my job, but I'm not growing as fast as I would like to. I'm not advancing as t- the way I want to be." Got it. And and so those tend to be the two types of people that I work with. Uh, the two challenges that they come with. And fundamentally, you know, coming back to the theme of this conversation, it all comes back to decisions, whether you're growing your business or whether you're wanting a little bit better balance in terms of the relationships and your free time. Both of those things are centered in the decisions you're making. Do you, I mean, it's an interesting connotation. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was, I suppose, because I've been an entrepreneur for the last 30 odd years, which is a long time, but I've also had... I've had, I've had a job since I've had a job uh, when I was quite young, but the whole kind of premise of um, when it came, when it comes to, you know, the harder you work, the more rewards you reap. What's your, um, you know, I mean, cause you you've like lived both, both neck of the woods. You, 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 you know, you've worked in corporate now you're running your own business. 
What is your take on that? Well, my take is really is what is success for you, right? Mm -hmm. Is success, you know, earning so much money that you fly on private jets and, you know, have yachts and that kind of thing? That's, that's great. Uh, that's going to require a level of commitment and engagement in order to do so. Great, if that's what's important to you. Um, I've got another client who started working with me when he was working at a at a kind of rapidly growing firm, and he had a big job and a lot of responsibility, and was managing a lot of clients and a team, and it was very stressful. And he ultimately decided to leave that and become an independent consultant to similar kind of work, but on his own. And he told me, he said, you know, hey, I'm not as busy as I was. So my, my earnings is actually a little bit lower, but I am so much happier. You know, I, when my kids are off school, I get to spend time with them and I get to manage my own schedule and I get to choose who I'm working with. So there's no right or wrong answer. You know, if you want to be the private jet guy or you want to be the guy who's taking time off with your kids, there's, that's fine. Either one is great, but you've got to be thoughtful about what is it, what does it look like for you? And then make that just make your decisions in order to achieve that. Yeah, love that. Some very good, some very good points there. I love that. Um, tell us a little bit more about your book because I mean we haven't spoken too much about. But what's breaking the code all about? Is that I'd, I'd love to know more about that. But just for just for the purpose of our listeners. Absolutely. So we I would mentioned I mentioned earlier that breaking the idea of the code is like your programming. It's like your operating system, your personal yes. operating system. So uh, breaking the code really gives a, uh, a simple process to break through the operating system, define success, and then take action, make decisions and take action to support you in achieving that success. So that's fundamentally what the book is about. And based on the premise that if you don't stop long enough, even to ask the question about what do I want? What is a good life? Uh, you know, at, at some point we're all going to die and we're, you know, at least for everything I read and all the people I talk to, there's some reflection process of how did I do in this grand game called life? And you know, you want to be able to feel good about it. So don't wait until then ask the question now, what's going to make a good life. And you know, what do I want to do now that sets me up to answer that question many years from now, hopefully that I'd had a really good life. So and fundamental, the other piece about this is, you know, it requires some risk. It does require taking some risk. And, you know, entrepreneurs, they're comfortable with risk, but it may not be the kind of risk that you're comfortable with. So that's, that's the thing to know. Like, you know, we talk about stress and working hard and that kind of stuff. Like you put a backpack on my back and send me up a mountain to climb. I'm all, I'm there all day. I love it. Like that's the kind of hard work I love doing. That's the kind of challenge I love doing. But what are the kinds of challenges and hard work and risks that make you nervous, that scare you a little bit, that's like that, but but that move you in a direction that is totally exciting? Like, well, if I could do that, it'd be awesome. Oh, but you know, oh the gosh, these I have these concerns. It's that's what I went through when I left Apple. I had always worked at big companies and 14 years at Apple, and I'm getting ready to walk out the door. I was freaking out. In the US, your health insurance is tied to your company, you know, there's stock compensation, all of these kinds of things, a stable paycheck. And to walk away from that and to go start my own business as a beginner, never having done that before, at that stage in my life, in my 40s, I was really nervous about that. It freaked me out. Mm -hmm. But did I love the idea of it? Yes. And so it's being willing to tolerate the risk and move forward 
towards something that matters to you, towards your definition of success? You know, I suppose uh, you make a very good point, and you've mentioned this on a, on a couple of occasions, which is, you know, weighing up risk, right? Is it high risk? Is it low risk? And and I guess how that kind of relates back to going back to our topic, which is all around decision making, right? You know, it's, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned a lot about risk, isn't it? I do, and and you know, most of us focus on the risk of things going well, but I think it's also important to focus on the risk of doing nothing. Mm. Uh, so you know, we can find, well, gosh, if I if I were to leave Apple, I'll go back to my personal example, right? If I go to left Apple and start my own business. I might fail. I might not make enough money. Who knows, right? Like all the ways in which that might go go wrong. But it's important to look at the risk of staying at Apple too. I could stay at Apple and, you know, part of me would be satisfied because I have a stable paycheck and so on. But there's another part of me that's like, what, what am I giving up personally? What am I giving up that matters to me to make a decision like that? And how will I feel two years, five years, 20 years from now about that decision? And in fact, it's one of the ways I made the decision. I imagine myself at 80 years old, looking back at this moment and saying, how would I feel about staying at Apple? And the answer was like, I would feel like I'd given up. And Mm. it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the person who gives up. I'm not okay with that. Jeff Bezos talks about it as the risk, uh, um, regret minimization strategy, right? Imagine it and minimize your regret. So don't just focus on risk of things going wrong, also look at what is the risk of the status quo, because there's always risk there too. You know, I, I, I like to use the word, the cost of not taking action. Yeah. You know, because it's, it, I suppose it's the, it's the same kind of connotation, isn't it? Like, I guess it just, it, is. it depends on which way you look at it, I suppose, in a way. And it's interesting. And, and I'm sure that, um, again, you probably had lots of conversations with your clients. And I certainly have with some of my clients anyway. And, 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 and it's like, yeah, but have you ever lo- looked at it from the point of view is that if you don't take action on this right now, it's going to cost you even bigger later on down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And again, broadening that sense of cost. What is the cost? There's a financial cost, but there's a personal cost as well. Mm-hmm. And also uh, an emotional cost. In your case, for example, if you just stayed at Apple emotionally, right, you're not going to feel so fulfilled and, um, and, and you're not going to be so ha- so much happier in what you do on a day-to-day, are you? Right, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's the emotional cost is, it certainly matters because, and why does that matter, right? So some, so many business people are like, ah, yeah, the emotional stuff, that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but it does because it when you are happy, you're more creative, you're more resourceful, you're more energetic, mm-hmm. and you're gonna bring the best of yourself to work. And we all know when you bring the best of yourself to work, you sure everyone listening has had this experience. You operate better, you get better results. So the emotional stuff matters because it's how you show up. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's interesting. So I'm a big believer in energy rusting, you know, it affects your mental state, your, not just emotion. we talked about emotional state, but physical state, but also your spiritual state of mind as well, which is again, really, really important. So, um, Hey, this has been a, an interesting uh, conversation. So, uh, yeah, I just want to say uh, uh, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. It's, it's really good. Guys, I hope that you've been enjoying some of the conversations that we've been having and uh, hope that you've maybe had some, some of those aha moments. Uh, and that's what I tend to try to get people to think is to, is to think, what are the aha moments you're getting from today's show? And uh, if you 
you know, we talked about success, we talked about decision making, we talked about how to overcome, you know, people who make poor decisions and how to, you know, what is it that, that what is it that people, leaders and entrepreneurs and business owners learn from when they make good decisions and bad decisions and, and stuff like that. Actually, last question before you go. What do you, are there any exercises that you, you, that you give to any of your clients in order to um, use it as more of what I call a reflective exercise? Does that make sense? But I would say that the biggest one that I encourage people to do is actually something you said earlier in this, this podcast, which is to stop today and give yourself five or 10 minutes just to think about what does success look like? Uh, because the, fundamentally our ability to make decisions is based on our values and our destination. And if you don't have a destination, of course, it's going to be hard to make decisions. Yeah. But if you know where you're going and, you know, yes, stuff is going to happen and you're going to be disappointed or frustrated or, you know, whatever life goes on. But as long as you know your destination and you can keep making adjustments and decisions to point there, you're so much better off. And most people don't do it. Most people don't stop and say, what's important to me? What do I want to create? So take those five or 10 minutes and deliberately think expansively. Think about you know a whole new level of success that may feel out of reach, that may feel unreasonable, that may feel risky to you, but that's the kind of thing that's going to get you fired up. And it's going to, you know, when you come to that moment of decision to say, well, gosh, what, there's a cost, there's a risk to doing this. It's going to, you're going to know the cost of inaction matters to you. Because the cost of doing nothing is, well, you're not going to get what you really want. Uh, and that's going to help you move forward. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So guys, just want to say thanks very much. Uh, hope you've had, a, hope you've been enjoying today's show. Uh, Rusty, just want to say thanks very much for being on today's show. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and uh, we've, we've had a lot of fun. Oh, it was great. Thank you so much, Adam. I really enjoyed the conversation. Very cool. And for you guys that want to get in touch with Rusty, what I strongly suggest you do is check out on his links on the links below. Uh, check out his book, uh, which you will see on Amazon and all good bookstores out in the US and all over the world. Uh, and uh, make sure you check, check that out as well. And uh, if you do, met, uh, do reach out to Rusty, do mention the podcast that so he can understand where you're coming from, of course. And I'm sure that he, I'm sure that he will respond in due time. So from myself and Rusty, hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll see you again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care, everybody. See you soon. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Game Changers experience. I would be gratefully appreciated if you could leave a good or a bad review. It doesn't matter, one or a five-star review, whichever you prefer, on any of the platforms, whether it be on Apple, whether it be on Spotify, Podchaser, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers experience. Take care, see you soon, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers experience. Take care, see you soon.